Welcome to episode 6 of this podcast series, Comfortable Words. We're exploring part of the book of Isaiah, chapters 40 to 55, the songs of an unnamed prophet who sings at the end of the exile to call God's people home. The prophet sings of love and forgiveness, of new hope and strength in God to rekindle courage in the heart of God's people. The prophet sings of a new kind of leadership based on humility and gentleness, the leadership of a servant. The prophet sings to tell us not to be afraid, even in the face of danger and of death. These are comfortable words the whole world needs to hear afresh in this season. I wonder if you ever speculate what songs you would choose if you were a guest on Desert Island Discs. One of mine will be the track I played at the beginning. I've always loved the music of John Denver, the American singer-songwriter. And the song Sweet Surrender captures for me a sense of love and joy and peace right at the heart of the universe. It played a part in my journey to faith many, many years ago. The comfortable words I want to explore today unfold a mystery caught by the song which is at the centre of the universe. That Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, calls women and men into a relationship of love, of friendship, and entrusts us with a purpose for our lives and a mission to God's world. These are the words of the prophet's song, the second of the four servant songs we will explore. Listen to me, O coastlands, Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He hid me like a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have laboured in vain, I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity, yet surely my cause is with the Lord, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honoured in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength, he says. Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel? I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation shall reach to the ends of the earth. The prophet is in some ways singing to the nation. Again, as we have seen before, the servant is named as Israel, In verse 3, read in that way, the song evokes the long story of God's dealing with his people. With the call of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel and Leah. The song also brings a new focus and purpose to that call. The nation of Israel is not called for privilege or status, but that call is for the sake 
of the whole world, to be a light to the nations. But there are many layers of meaning here. The servant is more than a picture or metaphor for the whole nation. This is one of four passages in Isaiah 40-55 to where we are invited to go farther up and farther in. The prophet sings of an individual leader here, one who will come, just as in 42, 1-4. This servant will minister to Israel as well, but his ministry will be to the whole world. This servant will be known and called before he is born in his mother's womb. This servant will know suffering and hardship. He will fear that his life's work has been in vain. And this servant will be glorified by Almighty God, and he will become a light to the nations and a means of God's salvation coming to the very ends of the earth. From earliest times, the Church has read this song and the other three servant songs as prophecy, a vision of God's Messiah, fulfilled in the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God's promise, I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation shall reach to the ends of the earth, is echoed many times in the New Testament, most famously by Simeon in the temple, as he takes the infant Jesus in his arms. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Jesus calls himself in John's Gospel the light of the world in John 9.5. Luke quotes our verse from Isaiah again in Acts 13.42 as Barnabas and Paul minister in Antioch in Pisidia and welcome the Gentiles, the nations, into the life of the church. For the Christian, this ancient song in Isaiah about the call of Israel and the call of a leader within Israel becomes a prophecy of the Christ and a frame within which we can understand God's gift to us in Jesus. But the chain of love continues. For we know that God continues in turn to call others in and through the same Jesus Christ, the servant. Jesus in the Gospels calls individual people and says to them, follow me. Jesus did not call us to become adherents of a particular religion, but disciples of a person, to pattern our lives together on the life of the Son of God. And St Paul, writing in Galatians, applies our verses from Isaiah not only to Christ, but to the mystery of his own calling and ours. He writes, God set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace. Galatians 1.15 So, this servant's experience of being called by God, set apart from before we were born, becomes in every generation our experience, the experience of every Christian. The hand of Almighty God is upon us. 
we are all able to say in Christ that God made us and knows us, that God knit us together in our mother's womb, to quote the Psalms. And we are all able to say that God's invitation comes to all of us to follow. We are all able to say, therefore, that we have a vocation, a calling, that God invites us to particular tasks and ministries in patterns which unfold throughout our lives according to our gifts. We will all experience something of the failure and self-questioning and even the suffering of the servant. And we are all able to say that those tasks and ministries find their place within God's plan and God's mission in God's world. So a very important part of being a Christian, a disciple, is the work of discovering God's purpose for our lives, our vocation. The word vocation comes from a Latin verb, voco, meaning I call. What is it that God is calling us to do? Vocations sometimes stay constant through our lives, sometimes they change and evolve. And vocations are not, of course, just for those called to be clergy, although sometimes the Church has used the language of vocation in that way. Vocations are not just for those who serve in church, in youth work, or as licensed lay ministers or church officers. God's horizons are on Christ as the light to the entire world. So our vocation is about the whole of what we do, and the whole of who we are, our everyday faith, in our workplace, in our service, in the wider community, in our families, in our partnerships, in our churches. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me, sings the prophet. What is it that God is calling you to be and to do at this stage in your life? What is your calling? How does your life flow and develop from your faith and your vocation? How is God inviting you to serve God's purposes and God's mission in these times. The pandemic is giving all of us the opportunity to press the reset button of our lives and to reconsider these deep questions of vocation. That's a matter of personal prayer and discernment, but it's also really important as a focus for pastoral conversations with those who help us and support us. In the Diocese of Oxford in recent years, we've been developing a way of having more of those conversations and using them to develop Personal Discipleship Plans, PDPs for short. Personal Discipleship Plans are really simple. They're just a way of having an encouraging conversation about your everyday faith and about God's call on your life. We don't do that often enough. These conversations are not linked to taking on a particular job or ministry in the life of the church. We discovered through offering them that many Christians can go for many years without the chance simply to explore what God is doing in their lives and what the next steps to encourage that might be. 
You'll find a short film about PDPs on our website and on the homepage for this podcast. God calls us. It's amazing. God calls us to service. God calls us as the body of Christ to bring light to the nations, the light of the world who is Jesus. That calling is often challenging and sometimes very hard. One of the marks of a genuine vocation is that we find it difficult, I think. It will often be messy and frustrating. We'll often doubt that we're getting anywhere, just as the servant does in this passage. But there'll also be days when we feel we are in exactly the right place, a sharp sword or a hidden arrow in God's quiver. Then there'll be days when we say, I've laboured in vain, I've spent my strength for nothing and vanity. When we feel like that, it's time for rest and retreat and encouragement from others. No one can do this on their own. But there's one more vital lesson for the church today I want to draw out from this passage. The servant is called from birth and from before birth. Twice in six verses we find these references to the mother's womb. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant. Just reflect on what that means. God's call to this servant comes even before the servant is born. Like Samuel and David and Jeremiah in the Old Testament, like Mary and Jesus and John the Baptist and Paul in the New Testament. God's call comes to those who are very young. And so as we read these words today, our thoughts and prayers and imagination should be drawn, I think, to God's call now to children and young people today. God's call coming to them. We still don't know, of course, how the church would emerge from the COVID pandemic. As I look and listen across our diocese, there are many very encouraging signs of life and health, although there's a lot that's hard and difficult, of course. But one of the most demanding areas of our life to reset and rebuild will undoubtedly be our ministry to children and young people and families. There's much that is good still happening, thanks to the hard work and dedication and skill of youth and children's ministers and many hundreds of volunteers, and of course, our schools. But there is so much that is still to do. Just before the COVID crisis, we published as a diocese a new strategy for our ministry to children and young people and families called Disciples Together. Again, there's a link on the homepage for this podcast. Disciples Together outlines five key shifts we believe as a diocese we need to make in our ministry together to and with children and young people. They're all supported by the insights of Isaiah 49. We're called 
to view children and young people as active participants and pilgrims, fellow Christians, part of the church today, not the church of tomorrow. We're to engage with children and young people intergenerationally and not simply run separate programmes at separate times. We're to be intentional makers of disciples, to help children and young people listen to and grow into the call God makes on their lives. We're to support and form and honour those whose primary vocation, whose calling, is this ministry with children and young people and families. In our churches we should not be so much looking for volunteers as those who sense a vocation to this work and are willing to be trained and equipped for the task. And we're trying to be the change we want to see. We're never called to be an adults-only church, but always an all-age community of grace. If we're to take this particular servant song seriously, we will be alert to the gifts and skills that children and young people and families bring to the resetting and rebuilding of the church through lockdown and after lockdown. We will already be making space in our planning meetings and our ministries for children and young people to offer their gifts. We'll be seeking to listen to everyone as we rebuild for the future because all are called in every way to be a part of God's church and God's kingdom. Back to Isaiah. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This world can seem and can be a dark place. There is fear and anxiety and confusion all around us. Jesus fulfills the promise of these verses when he makes the astounding claim, I am the light of the world. Jesus Christ is the servant at the heart of these songs, and these songs in turn shape the church's understanding of what that will mean in every generation. It's a big, cosmic, universal claim. Christ is not just for us and for people like us, but for the whole world. But Jesus, the light of the world, also says to the tiny group of disciples who gather around him for the Sermon on the Mount, You are the light of the world. This extraordinary prophecy in Isaiah 49 finds part of its fulfilment in every generation in the church, in families and children and young people and adult disciples living out everyday faith. So may God bless you as you seek to discern God's call and your vocation, and may God bless our whole church as we rebuild and reset our ministry with children and families and young people. God is calling. We must follow.